Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. We're broadcasting to you live today from the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus in Edmond, Oklahoma. And you can listen live or on recording anywhere in the world at kpcg.fm. This weekend is a pretty special one for my family. First of all, today my wife has completed another decade of life. I didn't want to say the exact age, but you can probably figure that out if you wanted to. So we we do have two precious children now, and it's just amazing to think about how fast time does go by and all that can happen in just, you know, a few years or in our case, a little over four years so far. Also on Sunday, my eldest sister, still younger than me, but the older of my two sisters, is getting married. And so that's really exciting, obviously. And we even have the, the flurries coming in from England. They're already here to witness that joyous occasion with us. And it's also going to be pretty unique. It's actually behind Mr. Gerald Flurry's house. It should be a really beautiful wedding location. But of course, in between today and Sunday, there is also something much more important than those things. The Feast of Trumpets. This is the first holy day of the fall holy day season. It's one of seven annual observances in God's holy day plan. And these days do sum up God's 7,000-year master plan of salvation for all mankind. God does have a specific way of making sure that he can eventually convert the entire world. Every last human being who chooses to let that happen. It will not be forced upon anybody, of course. But trumpets, this is the one holy day in the middle that is considered the pivotal event. This is the transition between the old world and the new. This present evil world will be replaced by the wonderful world tomorrow. 1,000 years of Jesus Christ and his bride, basically his loyal people today, converted into spirit beings and marrying him. And they will, alongside Christ, rule the entire earth. And after that thousand years, they'll also go out and beautify and create throughout the entire universe. So this Day of Trumpets is really the start of this world takeover. This clash of civilizations. 
human civilization being replaced by God's civilization. It is pretty obvious when we look around that we have failed. These last 6,000 or so years, this human experiment in going our own way apart from God has utterly failed. Genesis chapter 3 shows how it all started. Back in the Garden of Eden with the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, and how they did choose to follow Satan instead of God. Now, it's probably pretty common for a lot of people to think they're doing their own thing. They're going their own way. When actually, if they're not following God, they're following Satan. That's how good Satan is at deceiving people. He can actually make us think, we're in charge, we have all this freedom to be as lawless as we want, when actually, the whole time, we're actually just enslaved to him. That's what's going on right now. The whole world is actually held captive, and they're cut off from God. The vast majority of all mankind, except for the few, like I mentioned, who will soon marry Christ when he returns. So this Feast of Trumpets is really all about the return of our Savior and a lot of events surrounding that. It is going to be the most exciting thing any of us have ever witnessed And even 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ himself was foretelling this time. Mark 1, verse 15, he said, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent you, and believe the gospel. You see, the kingdom obviously was not set up at that time. There are plenty of passages throughout the Bible that show that God's kingdom is not an ethereal feeling. It is not set up in our hearts. It, it is not anywhere on this planet right now, or else the world would be a whole lot better place right now. The kingdom isn't here yet, but when Christ said the kingdom of God is at hand, he was actually just talking about the fact that he had just defeated Satan. He had qualified in this one-on-one -on -one titanic battle of the ages to kick Satan off his throne in the future. He hasn't done it yet. He's waiting for the right time. Revelation 12 verse 9 shows that Satan has deceived the whole world. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 talks about Satan being the god of this world. Ephesians 2 verse 2 shows that Satan does broadcast in feelings, moods, attitudes, emotions. He does control minds. He is the one who rules human beings today, the vast majority of them. And he could also have a huge impact on even those who should know better. That's how powerful he is. 
but he's still in charge, even though Christ qualified to replace him, he won't actually do so until his second coming. But when the t- when Christ was talking about the time being fulfilled, he was just saying that, yes, it certainly would happen in the future because Christ had shown he was capable. Matthew 4 really is one of my favorite passages in the Bible, just talking about that titanic battle between Christ and Satan and just really just how difficult it must have been for Christ to win. The, even just the fact that he had to fast for 40 days straight shows how hard that battle was going to be. And then Satan immediately attacks Christ, goes after his vanity, goes after his hunger, and Christ totally rejected those attempts to defeat him. So the kingdom of God was at hand back at that time when Christ first walked the earth around 2,000 years ago because he had just defeated Satan in that titanic battle of the ages. And that is how we know that very soon Christ is going to come back. And there's so much joy in that. That's really where all of our hope should be today. The news just keeps getting worse and worse. It's, it's horrible to read the news a lot of the time because it's just so frustrating. It's so sad the way that people are suffering and often it's self-inflicted. Often it could be avoided if they knew God's laws or even just applied what little amount of God's laws they actually do know. There's clearly something missing in the lives of so many people right now. And that's why so many people turn to substances, whether drugs or alcohol or anything else. People turn to selfish pursuits that really do make them even less fulfilled than they were in the first place. Whether it's sports or entertainment or anything like that. People are always trying to fill the void. But they're not trying to fill it with the right thing. We don't just have a brain, we have a mind. We have the human spirit combining with our minds, which is something that makes us very different from animals. But we also need another spirit. Beyond that human spirit, we need God's Holy Spirit. That's the only thing that can actually fill the void. That close relationship with God, which is more important than anything else we could possibly experience in this life. Nothing else matters in comparison to our relationship with God and how much people could benefit from just understanding that knowing that's the only thing that could ever fill the void. 
humans might not know it, but by the way they live, they are crying out for help. They need the fulfillment of the Feast of Trumpets. They need this hope. They need this future. Without, without that, really, what is the alternative? It has become pretty fashionable to, in a lot of ways, scoff about even the concept of Christ returning to earth. But again, what is the alternative? What would happen if Christ didn't return? What else is there to look forward to besides that? Well, you can look forward to the annihilation of all human life. That's what would happen. Christ dogmatically states that. Matthew 24, uh, verse 22, actually shows, talking about this unprecedented time of suffering, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. Christ himself has to return to prevent us from wiping ourselves out. There isn't anything else to look forward to besides Christ's return. And that is why that is such a huge part of the Matthew 6 prayer outline. In fact, it's the second part of that outline. Right after praising and thanking God comes thy kingdom come. That's the second part of that outline. And recently, a Philadelphia Church of God minister told me that often when he is counseling different members and trying to help them improve their prayers, he notices that this is an area where very many of us could improve. Spending more time on this section of our prayers. Thy kingdom come. Why is that so important? Why do we need to pray for that? Well, again, just look around. I just think it's amazing sometimes how we get distracted by fake problems. And we don't even examine the real issues of our time. The actual issues that need to be solved. Every day, for months now in America, our cities have been lit on fire and people are getting assaulted and murdered in the streets. And it's being justified constantly because of supposed systemic racism. Now, even if that were a real problem in America... Is it being handled the right way? Is this a rational response that's going to heal the nation? Are we really going to improve race relations by burning and looting and rioting and murdering? And that's, again, supposing that systemic racism is a problem in the first place. There's absolutely no statistic to back that up. 
in the year 2020. And yet it is pushed all the time. Meanwhile, if we really think black lives matter, what about the fact that more than half of all black babies are murdered in the womb? No one even talks about it. Do we care about life or do we not? Do we actually want to solve problems or are we just looking for a reason to destroy? All of this focus on systemic racism when it's not even real. And we just ignore the thousands of babies chopped up in the womb every single day. So if we can't even identify the real problems, how can we ever hope to solve them? I mean, it's hard for me to even talk about that. I think it's just appalling sometimes. Another example is this focus on climate change. The Bible has something very different to say about why these natural disasters are happening. It's not because our factories emit smoke into the air. Ideally, we would all treat the environment with the utmost respect. But our actions as puny human beings are not causing these natural disasters. And in fact, it's arrogant for us to think that. Now, in another way, our actions are causing them because it comes from sin. Sin causes God to curse us with weather problems. But it's not because we don't recycle. It's not because of pollution in the rivers. You see, we're chasing around all these false problems. It always reminds me of that, uh, that funny story, uh, Don Quixote. Remember, he envisioned himself as a knight and would uh, actually be jousting these, these huge monsters, but really he was just running into windmills. In his imagination, he was fighting these monsters, these giants, and yet he's just charging face first into a windmill in real life. We're not even dealing with actual problems in society because we're spending all of our time fighting fake ones. So yes, thy kingdom come. We can't even acknowledge our problems, much less solve them. We can't even get to the root of the problems with these riots. We all think that these riots are wrong. But who is pointing back to family life and why these young people are allowed to destroy by their own families? And now who is failing there to allow that? Wouldn't a strong father make sure his children were at home instead of on the streets? I couldn't imagine going out there and doing something like that. 
and it's really a big part of that growing up is just knowing what would happen to me at home if I ever decided to cause that kind of trouble out in society. There has to be a healthy, respectful fear of a father figure in the home or else all kind of madness will ensue. This is why we need to pray, thy kingdom come. There are a lot of horrifying problems that just keep getting worse and worse every day. We need help. We need a sound mind to actually acknowledge the real problems, discern those from the fake ones, and address them using God's perfect law of love. God gives us all the answers just from his law. This law that shows us how to love him above all else and prioritize him and how to treat every human being around us with respect and dignity, how to defend the innocent and the helpless instead of butchering them. God's law forbids every one of the problems we're dealing with. All of these issues, all of this abuse is forbidden in God's law. But God's law just isn't being applied. It's not being considered when we search for solutions. Thy kingdom come. If we think that this world is somewhat of a pleasant, fun place, are we really going to pray hard, thy kingdom come? 1 John 2 talks about coming out of the world. That's been emphasized a lot on the Trumpet Daily Radio show lately. Coming out of the world, making sure that we're not setting up idols, false gods, out of worldly things, worldly pursuits, whether it's our job or entertainment or even a physical relationship. Even our marriages shouldn't come ahead of God. Thy kingdom come. We have to see the world held captive, actually suffering like it is, or else we would never have the type of urgency in praying, thy kingdom come. Now there is so much joy in this day, it's not all bad news. There is, of course, an alarm of war being trumpeted around the world right now by Mr. Gerald Flurry, by the Philadelphia Church of God, because of the problems we're looking at now, but also the much worse problems that lie ahead. We have so much material that can explain to you the many different signs in the world and in God's one true church that have been fulfilled already that show us that Christ's return is really near. It is at the door. And we have to be awake to see it. We have to be awake when it happens. Revelation 11 describes the excitement, the overwhelming glory and majesty 
of Jesus Christ's return. Revelation 11, verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. You see, that's what we're looking forward to. And obviously, it's hard to imagine the kingdoms of this world just lying down and submitting to Christ's rule. It will be a war. And they will have to be struck down and humbled before they finally learn to obey Christ. That verse mentions the seventh the seventh angel sounding. There is a really helpful chart on the back page of Lesson 32 of the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. Lesson 32 is all about the Feast of Trumpets. But there's this, this chart here of the seven seals of Revelation chapter 5. The first seal, the first four seals are the four horsemen of the apocalypse, representing religious deception, war, famine, and pestilence. We see these things greatly increasing around the world right now. And the reason why is because Christ's return is so close. The fifth seal is the two-and-a-half-year Great Tribulation. The sixth seal is the heavenly signs, where the sun and moon are darkened. The seventh seal are the seven trumpet plagues. And these plagues are just shocking, and they are going to devastate the world. You've got hail, fire, blood, a third of all trees and grass being burned, a third of the sea becoming blood, a third of fresh water made bitter, one-third of light darkened, war inspired by Satan, a 200-million-man army, a third of all mankind being killed. And finally, in this seventh trumpet, terrible sores, sea turned to blood, fresh water turned to blood, scorching by the sun, darkness and pain, the Euphrates River dried up, and then the greatest earthquake ever, and hail. So it's not just about Christ's return, but all of these specific events also have to take place. And it is a hard transition from the old world to the new, but then after that, there's so much relief, so much healing, so much joy, because Christ will rule with perfect love. And we won't see any more of the abuse that is so common today. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.